and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Simone Roche, I am beyond excited to have you as my guest for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Oh, I'm absolutely delighted to be chatting um, (laughs) across the continent. So thank you so much. What a lovely way to start uh, the morning. Or evening, shall I say. (laughs) Yeah, evening for me. I think it's 6pm for me. And like, is it 5 or 6am for you? Something ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Simone is in the UK for anyone who... who, um, doesn't know. But Simone, my next thing to you is introduce yourself. Tell everybody what it is that you do and a little bit of why you do it. Oh, um, well, do you know what? Um, there's the whole adage, if you love what you do, then you'll never work a day in your life. And I, I feel like that that is that is me. I, I'm a terrible um lift elevator pitch person. I'm terrible of that. So uh, um, I'm passionate about um, accelerating gender equality. I'm passionate about social mobility. I'm passionate about connecting people. I feel like though when you connect people with people, with people with purpose, then stuff happens. Magic. So I've found it. I know. I always feel like that if you create things with intent, that's exactly the word, Jules, the magic happens. And so for me, I I once tried to describe myself as a serial connector, collaborator and curator. I've built a community called Northern Power Women, which has now fueled another community called the Power Collective. And fundamentally, it's it's about, you know, um, giving or gaining, um, sharing knowledge, um, supporting, holding each other up. And it, role models are in our day and DNA, DNA um, and paying it forward is at the heart of everything we do. Oh, my God, you are so my kind of woman. And I have to do a quick <laughs> shout out to the gorgeous Sam White, who keeps oh. on telling me how amazing you are and introduced us. And I'm so glad that she has. Now, I want to know what what is Power Collective compared to Northern Power Women? What's the difference? So um, Northern Power Women is something I created in 2015. Uh, it's all about accelerating gender equality from the north of England. Everything is, you know, in, in any country, everything always comes from that capital city yeah. um, and, and or where the politics are made from. And I was really passionate about driving the change and the, the, the force, if you like, from, from up north. Um, and this community has grown really organically and, and with real kind of intent to do good and yeah. to showcase, celebrate uh, role models. And uh, we're about a community of about 95,000. Um, That's just extraordinary, that- Simone. Hang on, we just have to back up a minute. 95,000 is huge. And I'm sure at the beginning of the pandemic when I met you, there were 65,000. Would that yeah. be right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, gosh, I'm not really reflected a, on that. A couple of years. Yeah. Um, and the thing for me is I've always been quite passionate about um, it's always it's all about all genders as well. Obviously, we are heavily yeah. female focused, but actually it's really important to me that it's been around advocacy and allyship and support and unlocking and unblocking. I didn't mean to be a poet then, but I just was. <laughs> um, poet and you don't know the- it. Uh, well, the Power Collective um, has, has been born out of this community, this community that has, um, and, and we're neither a membership nor a network. I feel like it is a community because yeah. um, it's not about trying to put people into boxes. It's trying to, you know, like I say, enable. And what happened back in um, 2017, 18, 
It's funny how we always put two two years together when we're not quite sure which yeah. year it straddles. But <laughs> I created something called Northern Power Futures, which was what does the future of the North look like by those who are going to live and lead it. And I was right. really I love unearthing those those um, and it's not always younger uh, role models, but you know I, I love I love kind of finding that that real talent. And I had a conversation one day with um, some great you know young early careers at the time women and and said what what. If we were going to have a conversation, if we were going to create a big conversation, what would it be? And it'd be like, well, it'd be really great to have a conversation that just wasn't white men and mers talking about trains, which happens a lot. <laughs> trains and the weather. We talk a lot about that. And, uh, right. <laughs> and, and so I set about to create a platform to do that. And um, instead of just creating a small gathering, we went the sort of the, the, the to east to west of the north, starting conversations and asking people what they wanted to talk about, you know, at the time as a 40 late 40s woman I thought I didn't really think I could put the topics up I can come up with great you know sort of ideas but I actually wanted to be led from from the the younger voice yeah and so we created this giant event um by you know by mischief, really, I suppose, were ended up being two days, four stages, 120 speakers, 1,700 attendees. You know, go big or go Stop home. It. I know, and oh, it was, a, and I think there was only two of us at the time. And um, I know you're a teeny tiny micro team as well. And we are. sometimes you're the same. You punch above your weight, and I think we've been doing the same. And what I wanted to do was create this an environment for conversations. And I had lots of chief execs going, "Can I speak?" And I'm like. No, not really. I, I think this is about, I'd like you to listen. I want the relatable role models <laughs> well having <said>. conversations. <laughs> and it was brilliant. And what ended up happening, I had that much support from a senior level. I thought, right, well, I don't want to waste that. How can I harness that in a different way? And so we created this series of what I called at the time, uh, carousel mentoring, speed dating for want of a better oh, yeah. phrase. And it was it was amazing. And it was, I had 320, I suddenly added another 320 um, sort of 16 to 20. 22-year-olds yeah. into the mix uh, to do this giant event. I had 70 mentors sign up and had 92 pitched up. And oh just that sense of enabling conversations. It You know, this isn't about saying, oh, come and work for me or, you know, um, here's a leaflet, find out more. It was actually about opening the world of work to people at the very early start or pre-career. That's what it was about. 72% of those young people had no idea what they wanted to do or were not clear or firm on it. And so I kind of wanted to invite to create this community or this environment that people could be curious, that they could ask the questions. And it would start off with, you know, what's your journey? What do you do? By the time you'd rotated a few times and Sam White was there who we just mentioned. Yeah. And it started, it kind of went with a, how much do you earn? What car do you drive? Is that bag real? <laughs> and 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 it was that, and it still it still sort of stems back to the role model piece. Yeah. And so over, so that was Northern Power Futures, and fast forward to the global pandemic, and we had we were doing some work with a, a few organisations, and were were unable to go out into colleges, and the schools shut down, and you know we we all know what happened over the, over that period. And I thought, well, totally. I suddenly started to speak to um, some undergrads in universities, and found a very 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 supported uh, doctor professor out there in uh, one of the universities. Dr. Jan Brown, she's amazing. And she basically unlocked the difficult process and said, you've got amazing people. We've got students learning behind screens off and having this whole challenging, you know, uh, way of working. And I'm like, I said, I've got tons and tons and tons of people out there who care, who give yeah. a rat's ass and want yeah, to, yeah. and want to, and want to do something. And, and that really is, 
I'm now, I'm now answering a question you probably asked me about two hours ago, but you know, the Power Collective was this <laughs> was this bringing together of um, this amazing world of work community with people that are either at the start of their careers, early careers, or or not sure where they want to go next. And to this day, um, you know, this is something that only officially launched uh, in January uh, last year. Yeah. So we we brought it through the the pandemic and sort of not sampled it. I just thought I'm always a big fan of if I can do something and it will make a difference, then I'm just going to crack on. And the let's pandemic, just do it. yeah, yeah, let's just crack. You know, I don't know whether that translates, but you know, cracking on is very much a northern a north of England phrase. You know which is, which Australians is, and northern English, I've always thought, are very similar. We kind of yeah. Well, would well, you know our what? Minds, it just, so I get it. Well. Do, during that period, we built a digital platform as well called the Power Platform because I wanted to. I wanted to make it as easy as possible. I wanted and and I had a, an amazing lady called Karen Karen Thompson who suddenly messaged me one day. She went, uh, "I just want to let let you know that I I may I may live in um in Melbourne, but I identify as a Northern Power woman. Is there any <laughs> chance I could get involved?" And I'm like, "100 percent, you know, you know, fantastic." And so I suppose what I did was harness the power of people wanting to do or to give back and connected with, you know, people who, you know, there's a we had a whole period of time, didn't we? Our young people thinking that that this pandemic is going to wipe us out. We're going to be a lost generation. Yes. And I was absolutely adamant, not just me on my own, but, you know, I had the ability to make this happen. And and we have. And to this date, we've we've created or we've enabled something like 25,000 conversations. We've created £1.25 million in social value. Um, I didn't add up wow. that all myself. I had, you know, sort of somebody came to me and said, this is really powerful what you're doing. And people are getting opportunities. People Let are building help. confidence. People are getting uh, building a network around them. We know, you know, absolutely the power of networks. And yeah. if if we can start and help build that social capital around people who may not have it. And we did a, a live one a few weeks back and um, the, 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 the wonderful human we keep mentioning, Sam White, uh, came with uh, one of her new team from Stella, which has just come over from Australia yes. into the into the UK and uh, delighted that we're now partnering with Stella as well. So it's it's, it's really exciting. And um, But yeah, we, we did a live one of these events. And I think when you see and feel that interaction and when you in, it can enable those conversations. It seems so simple. Anyone can do it, just start a conversation. But I think when people then go away and go, oh, Simone, that person I spoke to, I've now connected to this person and they're going to go and do some experience that's here right. or shadowing there. That to me is, that's that spirit. Yeah, it does. And so that is the Power Collective is literally bringing together sort of cross-sector organizations, small, medium, large, everyone. There's nobody, you know, there's nobody today that I could go and ask and say, is there anyone who could give an hour of the time to have a conversation with someone about their career? Everyone would say yes. Yes, you everyone know? would. Um, and that's and that's what we've, we've enabled. Right. Because so I hadn't realized that it was young that it was the young kids as well, which I just love so much. Well, to be honest, it can translate into any, you know, yeah. sort of form, if you like. So it's it's worked with people who are just getting ready to think about board positions, uh, people who are maybe coming back into the world of work, people who are lost, been made redundant, and airlines just gone bust here last week in the UK. It's a perfect way to reach out and go, just come here. There's a, And we've yeah. also built this platform, the digital platform um, as well, which was designed to be 
scarily a, a digital version of me, which sounds that's it's not an ego project by any stretch, <laughs> but it was designed to like yourself, like Sam connected us in, like you will connect people in every day, Jules. I, you know, you so many too. of us that love doing that, and so we created a platform to do just that, to to connect with purpose and to really kind of you know help people build those bridges that might not be able to get there. And and, and that's that's what it's been designed to do. And we, oh, I think we've got just so 7,000 users on there now. So, and all of our events and stuff. So yeah, it's been, I didn't think I'd get into digital, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other cup of tea. Well, thank you, <laughs> pandemic. I mean, as much as it was, it's been really annoying. Boy, oh boy, has it brought everyone kicking and screaming into the digital age. <laughs> And and For there's sure. so many positives that come out of it, such as chatting to you. Now, I could be in London. It wouldn't make any difference at all or if I was around the corner because so it's just blurred all, I reckon, all the boundaries and all the, the um, it's just made the world much smaller and we're all able to help each other, which is, and hopefully connecting the good people that want to do good things to connect people. Absolutely. And I think uh, I, I hold on, you know, we see a lot of, strange leadership at times and we definitely saw some of that over the pandemic good and bad but you know some of that we're seeing you know very much this whole you know you must get back into the work now workplace now and I don't really subscribe to that I think you know um, I do have an office that's where I am today I've got um, a, a great team small team um, but you know there's uh, there's no requirement for my team to be in the office every day there's days where you just kind of go actually like today will be an office day later on um, um, where we'll be able to mash out a lot of stuff, but Fridays are a no team in the office day, you know. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I, I think some organisations, I, I I wonder what, how that will play out in, in yes, years I to agree. come. Yes, I agree. I can I can see people still trying to cling to the past and go, but this is that we need, especially weirdly or not so weirdly. I hear a lot of the law firms and a lot of the finance companies and the banks going, this is not right. You shouldn't all be at home. You've all got to come into the office or else. It's very like Elon Musk doing that ridiculous statement where he said you come into the office or, you know, I don't consider you're working for me and and you've got to do really long days. And it's like, what kind of a dinosaur are you? Yeah, that's that to me is. Uh, but I, you know, it. I think there was times, wasn't there, during the pandemic, there was times where I thought, gosh, are we going to go into that 1950s era where, you know, the women are doing all the homeschooling and, and also, you know, doing their jobs and running a house and, and propping you know, up their husbands uh, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so I did worry at one point and then it kind of swung the other way. Um, and, and for me that I, I think it's, it's really important that we, we hold on to that, that hybrid way of working or, and I that hybrid too. way like this, like, you know, it's also good for the planet, right? You know, yeah. um, you know, if we can have and enable conversations like this, you know, whether it be, with you in Australia, in India, in in the States. I know, you know, you've got podcast guests from all over. I was watching a great lady um, talk at her high chair brand over in San Francisco. Oh, from, yes, Sally know, Dominguez. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. And I think this is where it's so amazing to... Um, where we can unearth these role models across, yeah. the, across the considerable miles. I absolutely agree. Now, Simone... This is all about inspiring women to, to be whatever they want to be. And in order to do that, I love to ask you about your past and how you got to where you are now. So um, you're going to have to cast your mind back a little bit, probably only about 10 or 15 years for you. But when Ooh. you were in high school <laughs> or secondary school, 
What kind? Where did you grow up? I'm guessing in the north, but I'm jumping in there. Where did you grow up? What kind of a family did you grow up in? And did you like school? Let's start there. So I grew up in yes, the north of England. Uh, I was I lived in Liverpool, so quite a big city till I was four years old, and then uh, so with with grandparents. Uh, so mum, dad, you know, mum and dad, dad worked away, and um, and then we moved out into the sticks, literally into the countryside. Uh, so, nice. um, but so I from the age of four, I, I was quite a, a country girl, only child. Um, so, oh right. Um, so had quite had lots of imaginary friends, but you know, um, but we <laughs> well, also got lots had, and lots and lots big... of real friends now. <laughs> well, had lots of like lots of cousins, so never really felt sort of that uh, that that kind of thing. Um, um, I, I don't think I was ever a, a, an academic. I've, I was good at the practical stuff. I loved maths and I loved languages. I right. really wanted to love uh, be good at art because I loved it, but I was terrible. Um, <laughs> wasn't really good. But did at you the enjoy school? Down. I mean, the social aspect of it as well, or was it all just? Yeah, I can't wait to get out of here. No, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was okay. Um, right. I liked the sport. Um, it was, a, uh, um, you know, uh, I've got, interesting enough now, my, my, you know, I've got two uh, close friends that are from school that we're still friends. I feel like you make lots of friends in lots of acquaintances in your life, but only so many two friends. So yeah, I think I was never, I was always quite, as I say, a middle of the road kind of yeah. kid. Um, not, you know, I was never going to look at myself and think, oh gosh, I'm top again. You know, I was never that, that kind of person. Um, I think I was done. I got done, I think with academia. It was interesting, actually, we were t- I was talking yesterday, um, we were talking about the teachers, you know, the teachers that inform your way and inform yes. your life. And, um, I never thought I, I was never a writer, but then I remember in my final year, my GCSE year or, um, GCEs in those days. I think that's um, year 10 I, here. Uh, well, when when I had a teacher and he he was the, actually the deputy head and he was our English teacher and I remember him saying, you know, um, I I have fears for you. I feel that like you might get tracked into something else because you're. And I think it's because I wasn't sure. I had no idea what to do. I wanted to be a vet because I think I I'd read James Harriet. Yeah, and and but it was. I think. I mean, this was. Gosh, you know, when did I go to? 85 I think I would have been finishing school to then go yeah. to I then left and went to a sixth form college and that's what he was worried about he was worried about me leaving this sort of more sort of quite a disciplined school yeah. um um which had good boundaries so I wasn't really in trouble I remember oh so the only time I got into trouble was when um my mum was having a hair done and my mum's friend uh then uh bleached or tinted my hair through those awful caps that you used to pull through yeah, yeah. and I remember going in and um I got suspended and I remember my mother phoned up and says my daughter is not allowed to to dye her hair it's simply been sun kissed by by the the northern sunshine and I'm thinking <laughs> so that was as close as I got to get into trouble um oh, right. my mom, naughty mother anyway um so you know I had a really good sort of childhood I say school wasn't you know wasn't the best wasn't the worst um I was just medium mediocre okay. And then you did the sixth form college. Was there um was there an assumption that you would go to uni? Is that was that yeah, part of it? Yeah. It was. And I was done with academia. I did the wrong A levels. Again, great teacher, maths, last term teacher changed maths went out the window Do you know I, I just have to jump in and say I was talking I've got two boys at the moment going through year 12 here the final year and I was talking about it because I was an, an uh, um I was sort of 
really humanities. I mean, geography and English and English lit and all that kind of thing. But I did physics in year 12. And I did that weirdly. I don't even, I can't even believe I did it now. But I did it because I had a brilliant teacher who loved physics and gave that love to me. And I was talking about it with my boys going, if you have a great teacher, it just makes such a huge difference in terms of what you choose. Do, do you know what it really does? And it's interesting you talk about physics. We're doing a project at the moment with the Institute of Physics because right. physics is one of those things, that sin that you do at school, and we can probably remember kinetic, kinetic energy or potential energy. That's probably as far as it goes. But physics is in so much of our world now, yeah. you know, and, and all this. Kind of, but but yes, aside, aside from that, the, you know, I went to... I did A-levels, but because I suddenly went to sixth form college, it was like Partyville. It was everyone's 18th birthday or the second year. have it here. It sounds fantastic over oh, there. Oh, it was. And I just remember it being very social. And it was, I think I, I, I definitely in my second year, I was done. I was, I, you know, I'd applied, I think, to do international business studies or something like that. But I was done. I think I, I was, uh, I went down to London for an interview with the diplomatic service, I think I remember. But then I remember going to a careers fair. I remember filling a, a paper questionnaire in actually <laughs> and going yeah. through and going, blah, blah, blah. Not so sure. Mm, ooh, armed forces. Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. And I remember clicking um, and, and ticking. And then it was, again, a, a few weeks later, there was a, a, a careers fair in the gym hall and the Royal Air Force were there. And I went, had a conversation with them. I subsequently ended up going in and doing the tests, aced the right. tests. Um, but there was something that just wasn't, I was like, I'm not sure, that, you know, something about this I like, but I'm not sure. And I remember finding, literally marching myself off a mile up the road to the Royal Navy careers office. And I went in yeah. there and the first thing that the chief petty officer, I remember him, um, a, a Northeast Geordie, as we would call him, uh, in uh, welcomed me with, with humour and and banter um and you just took the mickey out of me um what do you want i think it was the 80s my hair was big and permed and bleached there's that bleach again and uh, it was and i remember like why do you want to do this last he said to me and i'm like you know I, and it, there was just something about it that i felt like i felt that i could be part of this and i went away and completed my a levels because at the time they weren't recruiting they said but if you complete your A-levels, you can come in on this A-level Can I just scheme. ask, though, is there anyone in your family that's been in the armed forces? What what caught, Was it literally just the careers day that caught yeah, your Yeah, yeah. It was um, my, my cousin actually had, had been in, um, but right. I hadn't. I definitely didn't feel influenced. I wasn't influenced by that. It was I was influenced, I think, just by... Um, just by the conversations, just by this, you know, maybe I'd watched... Private Benjamin with Goldie Horn in, I don't know, or uh, uh, but officer I, I, and a gentleman. Perhaps. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen this. I think I wanted the adventure. That's what I wanted. Right. I didn't want a nine to five. I wanted an adventure, and I remember having to phone up to say, "Well, I've failed my A levels." Oops, um, and you know. Can I still come uh, in? That's that's yeah, that's me. No, I said that's obviously me done. And they went, hell no. We you <laughs> absolutely fit and we want you in. Um there's probably about five month wait and um and I and, and I did and I joined the following um the wow. twenty first of March, nineteen eighty eight, I remember it. And it to me, I always say it was the absolutely the best thing I could ever have done. It was 
Um, I remember going all the way down. It's like an eleven-hour journey in its day down there because I had to get so a train. Young. I mean, you would what eighteen? Eighteen, yeah. yeah. I had to get a ferry ride across when I got down to Devon, and it was just wonderful. And I thought it was going to be like Private Benjamin. I thought I was going to get off the bus and I was going to be doing, uh, you know, uh, press ups. What Push was? Ups. <laughs> but, it, it, but what? I don't know what made me do this, but I remember calling because, of course, no mobile phones, no internet. But I remember no. phoning up before I joined and I got the telephone numbers of two other people that were joining on the same day so yeah. that we could meet and travel. And I don't know what made me think to do that, but I definitely instigated that. So maybe that was the start of my uh, connecting yeah. or networking days, if you like. But I remember that travel down and I remember getting there and it was before when I joined, it was before girls could go to sea. So I right. joined with blue with blue insignia as opposed to gold, because that was the, if you like, the non-seagoing. And, right. uh, and I, what sort of roles were available? It. Well, what sort of roles were so available I, to you? What were you aiming for? Because I grew up as an army brat and I remember having gone to army schools in Germany and Cyprus that I thought it would be great to be a teacher in the in the army. What well, did you what what did you want to be? A sailor? Well, I remember going to, well, I couldn't because I wasn't allowed at that point, but I remember right. the RAF, there was tons of jobs. I remember I was, re I really wanted to be a kennel maid. I remember seeing that. I love dogs, so that'd be brilliant. Anyway, yeah. um, I joined as a radio <laughs> operator. Um, right. And so who knew, who knew? Maybe it was my warm up for podcasts. I don't know. But I remember <laughs> it was interesting. It's I, I trained as a radio operator and then went into crypto, cryptography. Who even oh. knew what that was? If only I'd have stayed with that, I'd be a gazillionaire now, but uh, <laughs> Uh, and I remember I loved it. I loved the, you know, it was literally just defining for me. I've never, you know, it was, and I think I learned very early on, it wasn't how that you had to tie, you know, when they got you, when they came around and they were like bouncing a 10 pence coin on, on your bed to check that the sheets were made properly and all that. <laughs> I think I learned, I know really it was crazy. That? They did. And I remember the whole thing. And I remember, again, being a bit of an organiser in, like, I'd, I'd learnt to French braid my hair because I did not want a bun. I thought, I'm not doing a bun. I'm cooler than that. I'm not having a bun. Right. So I'd, I taught French myself to French braid. Backwards. I did, yeah. And, right. and then, therefore, I then was the French braider. I was the shoe <laughs> polisher. Somebody else was the ironer. And it was this real kind of collaboration of, you know, because that's Everyone's the whole point, isn't it? superpowers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was amazing. It was a, it was a fabulous, um, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. It was, and because I think I was fit as well, or I, you know, um, that I'd, I'd be able to prep. That was definitely a downfall for certain, uh, certain girls joining was the fitness where I, but I was good with that. So right. it meant that the other bits I wasn't as good at, but what was, what was really interesting is that, you know, talk, I wasn't that academic, but the minute I joined the Navy, I was, I learned I, everything I did. I learned as I went and yeah. I was hundred percent in everything because I saw a value for learning it. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's been, you know, that was a, it was, it, as I say, it was a great period. It was, it was That's the, a really the best great thing insight, actually. That's very, it's so very true. So how does your career, so you're an eight, 18 year old, you're in the, uh, in the Navy. 
how did your career progress from there? What what did you do? I'm interested to know how we got to where we are now. So take me on the journey. Uh, well, <laughs> well, to, to be honest, 18 months later, I sadly lost my dad. Um, oh, and so no. when I left the Navy, mum and dad went into the pub business into the uh, a, and joined as a publicans. Uh, and they ended up not far away from where I was based in uh, Northwood, which was NATO headquarters at the time. Right. Uh, anyway, dad got, dad fell ill very quickly. They thought it was an ulcer anyway. Six weeks later, sadly, he passed with stomach cancer. Um, and they sent my, you know, only child. My mum was only, um, gosh, uh, my mum would have only been 39. Um, 49. In fact, um, yeah. Young, anyway. And they... Yeah, mum and dad had got, gone home and um, thankfully we were all together when dad dad died. And uh, But they sent me to, or they they gave me the option to work from the careers office in Liverpool. Um, nice. And so I, I based, I was based out of the Royal Navy careers office for five months because they were happy for me just to go on leave, but I was, I, I was part of something. So yeah. there was something about you know, retaining that identity and, and also just keeping an eye on my mum. My mum wasn't in a good space, as you can imagine. And um, anyway, I worked at the careers office and this always, I always feel like this sounds like a really strange thing, but it was probably one of the the best jobs I ever did um, because it was, I got the chance to go out to schools. I got the chance to, um, you know, um, engage with, suppose, suppose now if I reflect back on it, it was stakeholder management and, you know, right. you've got like customer service, you've got all this, bit. but the, the going out to schools, I think it wasn't till not so long ago, probably only about a few years ago, well into doing what I do now that I reflect back on that I think was really defining for me because going out to schools and I remember this one day and I had I had a, a line that I have to say there is a white paper coming out that is considering that women are going to be able to go to sea and that was my little bit that I said but right. it was when we were out of uniform when we were breaking the set down and when we were having conversations with the young people who don't want to put their hand up you know and they're like miss miss you know I, I, what, I, what do you do with all your hair because it was there was a lot yeah. of hair going on and <laughs> miss 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 how do you do this miss miss what's it like and I remember uh, a young boy and a young girl both came in to see me in the careers office subsequently and both of them joined up and I always think gosh I wish if social media had been around then I would have loved to have tracked where they were but um that for me was amazing and and I think it was that me being young only 18 months ahead of them, if you like. Yeah, yeah. But being that what I wouldn't identify at the, then was as a relatable role model. And so someone that wasn't a captain or an admiral, but somebody who was literally a stone's throw ahead of them and could remember what it was like. And, and, but and that, also was having a great time. Like was oh, able to say, I love it. I've got no regrets at all. This is great. Absolutely. Come and do it. Uh, and it was then a bit. Uh, I got uh, got sent to a, a very uh, an underground secret base, which again was interesting times. Um, worked in civilian clothes. It was a different part. So I had I had lots of great experiences on my journey. But my commanding officer at the time tapped me on the shoulder and said, um, "I think you should go and be an officer." And I went, "Oh, that's literally not made for short northern women. I'm pretty certain <laughs> it's not for short northern birds." And uh, and and I suppose that was my first experience of sponsorship um, right. of somebody. And I and I. And I'm thinking that this is absolutely not for me. I'm not posh enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not educated right. enough. And um, uh, that, I suppose all these things that we can equate to now, tick imposter syndrome, tick sponsorship, yes. tick mentoring, you know. Um, but I, 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 I experienced it and he literally 
a sponsorship is. He walked with me as opposed to just opening the door. He came through the right. door with me and helped me and helped me prep for the board and all this oh, kind nice. of thing. And and that's when I and it was at the same time as women were going to see. So I went off to Britannia Royal Naval College in Dartmouth, and uh, then I went to see. Um, so and- it was. And, and how then, was yeah. that? Because I get terribly seasick. Did you have a moment where you went, whoops, I made a mistake here? <laughs> oh, no, do you know, I loved it. Love it. I absolutely loved it. You got and your I, sea I got legs, your... no problem. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I did. And I, I live on a boat now, so I clearly have oh, still got really? them. So. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> that. Um, and you're an admiral yes. now, aren't you? Uh, uh, no, not quite. A captain. I... <laughs> so, but it's it's been an amazing, uh, you know, I did eight, uh, you know, seven and a half years in total. So I did, you know, um, I then went off and did my officer training, went to see um, uh, for training. And then we had like a nine month deployment out in the Gulf. Um, and wow. then I came back and I subspecialized as an air traffic controller. Uh, and I think what happened, I, and again, <laughs> I love I, you. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And, How um, much fun was, is it being an air traffic controller? There's a little oh, app on your, uh, there's a little app. I don't know if you know it called air, um, flight control. Have you seen it on? No, on I'm going to download it now. Oh my God, you've got to. <laughs> it makes me think I could be an air traffic controller. It's got flights. <gasps> Planes coming in at different size oh. planes at different speeds on different runways and you've got to get them oh. all to land safely. Oh, yeah, and at different heights, different flight levels, different yes. flight paths. Did oh, you gosh, love it? Too- yeah, and, and you know what? Apparently I was textbook. I was absolutely terrible. Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible. Penny drop, get it. Um, and, and And there was only two of us that finished the course. It was very, you know, it was, it was extreme pressure. Um, and, and that's, and I, I went off then I was based down in, in Cornwall in the, the Southwest of England. Um, and it was, it was in, when I was down there, I was like, right, you know, I think I'm done. I think it's time for my next adventure because I think I'd almost box myself in a little way. And whilst the job of an air traffic controller is different every day, for sure, there was an element of, there was only so many places I could go going forward and I could have had stripes going up my arm, um, you know, but actually I was, I, I was only going to go more into the, then the paperworky job down the line. Yeah. And, and I was just ready for my next adventure. I was, and this is where it sounds a bit crazy. I was 25 and, and I was going to say, how old were you? Right. Yeah, I was 26, I think. And I, and I wanted another job before I was too old to be recruited, which sounds crazy. And again, Never at this point had I ever considered gender equality. No one talked about it, inclusion, anything like that. And I always think I was never treated differently for being a woman in the Navy, I don't think. I was yeah. definitely treated differently for being Northern in that kind of whole... <laughs> That's the, so the English. Cla- <laughs> the, the, the class piece, I suppose, or the social mobility piece. But um, yeah. it was, for me, I wanted that next adventure. And it was during that adventure where I kind of... The, the thing that the Navy taught me was to say yes and work it out later, you know, right. take every opportunity, make stuff happen. Um, you learn so many different skills. Your work ethic is off the scale because you're not on the clock. You get paid 24 seven, you know, you don't go and count your hourly weight. You're in it. It's, it's a different, it's a different life journey experience. Right. And for me, that set me as a, you know, there's never any off. It's always just keep going, and we'll we will make this happen. And and so I found myself in, uh, and I'd volunteered for so many different things. Like um, I, I'd organised so many amazing things. I'd organised a try a Five Nations sporting tournament off the Tiamat Islands. And again, this is before <laughs> phones and internet. There was one laptop on the on the the ship, and I 
acquired it and taught myself to use it. And that I think was probably one of the smartest things I ever did because when I came outside, I then went into very much the hospitality industry, you know, and I just made myself kind of invaluable and, you know, brought things into it that, you know, because I, I assumed I'd get a job very easily well, because tell me, so I've what, been in on, the military. So you'd be, no, because I, I haven't seen a lot of people from the army and I worked um, in ad agencies and I know that the, the, that's the opposite, that people think, these people have no initiative. They're only used to taking yeah. um, orders. So what did you do? You're 25. You've come out of some a job that you obviously loved. What yeah. came next? How did you get another job? Well, it's really interesting. I was living with my, uh, like, mum, uh, as I told my dad had passed, my mum is now remarried by this stage. And so um, in some ways I don't have a home anymore. (laughs) So it's, so I live, I've always very close to my grandparents. So I live with my nan uh, in Liverpool. So back to Liverpool, a city that I'm, I'm, you know, really, really love. Uh, Started going around, writing letters. I was comfortable because I had a period. Because I was an officer, you have a period of, coming out so to speak of, of you know oh, where um, you're paid is it yeah so I didn't have that pressure and so I started I wanted to do I started writing off like um events conference and banqueting that's what I wanted that's what I loved I love making stuff happen give right. me all the bits and I'll join it together and we'll 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 make the fun happen and that's what I wanted to do and I remember I went to a temping agency because I think Two days of watching daytime telly, I was done. I'm like, right, okay, what what can I go and do? What can I go and experience? And so I went into a temping agency and I said, oh, there's a job starting tomorrow and or Monday and an insurance company, four weeks. And I thought, I'm literally going to hate this. But anyway, um, they said, why don't you come in tomorrow with some interactive programs in the back? And it was in the days where we went from WordPerfect, the black screen oh, yeah. with green writing <laughs> into windows what we know yeah. now we all know is windows and uh, <laughs> i know and um uh, while i was in there doing these interactive stuff loving it i loved it loved anything around around that and any of this simone you wanted more events and stuff didn't you there's a job at ancient race course which is the home of the grand national the big horse race steeplechase and uh uh starts tomorrow so only for two weeks do you fancy it and i'm like right. yes that is more up my street off i went and i was there for eight months and they ultimately uh, I worked there. I, I, you know, I was given the 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 radio to liaise. I was the liaison between the the, the caterers and the radio. I loved it. I was. I had a clipboard, had a radio, and I had a velvet headband. I was it. You know, it was. It was <laughs> the it velvet was headbands, the clincher. I, it, it really was. I had to lots of my officer clothes. You know, so it was that very. You know, all, all that kind of very suited uh, in those days, and uh, I loved it. And I, I, I loved the whole experience of it. The and and that's uh, it was some months later, um, and I was working at other hospitality establishments. Um, again, always doing the sorting. I'm sure there was another word for that, but I always felt <laughs> I was doing the sorting or the right. problem solving. And and then Aintry came back to me and said, "We loved how you worked. Um, the the person who's there is, is she's going off on maternity leave, but she's also relocating, so she's not coming back. Would you like this role?" And and I did, and I made it my own. I think I again the work ethic. I was getting paid ten and a half thousand pounds it wasn't a lot of money um but I treated (laughs) it like it was my own I loved it I grew the business you know the weddings the corporates the conferences I loved it and that's what I sort of did for the next sort of oh gosh 
decade and a half really of working right. and I worked at massive theme park I worked at a big uh, exhibition conference centre uh, the one where they're holding Eurovision actually uh, this year I worked there in the build phase and then I started to get headhunted for things and then I fell into like a skills world and it was when I was working in this skills world down in London um, Can I just um, ask what do you mean by the skills world? What's so that? I was working for what they call a sector skills council for hospitality, leisure, travel and tourism because I'd worked in the hospitality and tourism industry since I'd left the Navy and events yeah. and everything around skills, everything around soft skills, everything around um, people really actually. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And so when I was working with people and skills, I got involved. I'd started organizing awards because again, if no one else is doing it and there's an opportunity, why aren't we? I'll get involved. And I saw the value of different organizations coming together to, 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 collaborate and promote so I saw a lot of that and this is it takes you reflect to look back on on these kinds of learnings yeah. and, and it was at the time where the first tranche of research about women on boards came out um, and you know it was talking about oh gosh professional services finance there's only 15% of women on boards and um, and we looked at the hospitality sector and we were like, we're going to be all right. Tons of women. 52% of women uh, is the balance um, in yeah. the hospitality sector. Then we then looked you at go board to the leadership level. level. Six, six percent. And yeah, so yeah. I'd gone to this event uh, and again, never had gone to a women in kind of event. You know, yeah. wasn't anti them. I just didn't think they were for me. I thought they were for people older than me. I just didn't think it was, I think you know. A lot of women think that and then get a nice surprise if it's uh, the right kind of group. It is if it's the right kind of group. And I, I remember yeah. going to this one and it was full of, is a room, a dark room, I remember, full of women drinking wine that was warm, which was the first criminal effect to kind of put. <laughs> and then it was just very negative. And right. and I remember thinking, this is not going to change anything. And no. I was like, where's the men? Where's the role models? Where's the conversation about what? Why are we even meeting? You know, because if we're just going to meet to be negative, what? To why don't we? Yeah, and so that's where I started, quite categorically interfering, very much behind the scenes, very much going to other sectors. Let's not just be insular here. Let's look look look, uh, look at what insurance are doing. Let's look at what finance are doing. Let's look at yeah. what transport is doing. Let's look at different sectors because then there's a non compete. I started naturally mentoring, uh, matching people. Yeah, uh, which again I love. I think that is you know one of the things I'm, I, I love doing. And 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 then I started. I created the conference. I created the awards. And and this <laughs> there is no for, stopping you. Uh, and I just got, I loved it. And then one day my boss, um, she, I remember her being poorly. And for me, standing on a stage, I'd had a really bad experience many years earlier at a theme park where I was sales manager there in front of 500 people. And the PR manager who worked there at the time just left me to die on the stage. He was such a chicken. Oh, and God. I remember just going, right, I'm going to I'm gonna lean into this. I'm going to lean in. But I remember it put me off for years, put me off for years and years and years for speaking in public. And then this one day came and I thought, actually, I'm, I... I own this. I can do this. Yeah, and I remember, I, know what I can say. Yeah, and I remember getting up there, and I'm like, and I was so happy. I like wasn't nervous. 
or, or, or as a butterflies, but I was, I just felt like actually this is now the time that I can do something. And that's where I started gathering and collecting the most amazing humans across, across, across the globe. And it became across the globe because, um, a friend, well, who is now an excellent friend of mine. Um, we set up, we met, she called me one day, what's this thing you're doing at Women First, which was the organization. What's this thing you're doing about mentoring? I'm on the board of women in football, women in racing. Could we have a conversation? We had a ah. conversation. We, we talked about mentoring. Then we we went on to set up TEDx. We got a license for TEDx Whitehall Women and we ran oh, five years. I ended up going globally to TED. Um, and, wow. and, that for, and that for me is kind of, I suppose, what really accelerated the where I am now um, in because I collected so many just kick-ass humans, um, <laughs> you know, and, and my, I love giving people a platform and a stage. And I think if you can yeah. give people a platform, a stage and a voice, you just never know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, years later, you know, it was, again, things happen, don't they? And all of a sudden, um, somebody who had spoken for me at TED or I'd, I was I was actually courting her to come and speak at TED and right. I remember uh, she said to me Simone what's this other organization tell me about that she was like this is all you why are you not doing this for yourself and I'm like I remember thinking I can't afford to run I don't know how to run a business I can't why would I want to do that I can't you know because everything I was doing was in London I thought I can't afford it the travel the expenses the you know who's going to take notice of me on my own and 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 but it takes that one person to put a seed in your mind that's right and it's again I suppose it's that sponsorship approach or that it is and I think Things can start organically, but in the end, I mean, I know for me it was a whole lot of women in She's the Boss going, what do you want to do with this? And I thought, I don't know, it's it's just happening. And they went, no, you've got to have like an idea of what you want to do. And that's the little seed for me. So I can see that that would have worked for you. And so, and so you know, what happened next? How did you get it setting up yourself? Well, it was really interesting. There was, there just happened to be a, it was on, uh, after the Olympics in 2012. Uh, so obviously the UK had hosted the Olympics, obviously in yeah. London. And then there were, there was a big conference that was coming to Liverpool called um, the International Festival for Business. Seven weeks, thousands of events, too too many in some respects, but I remember going, right, right if you're going to do a conference like this, I think we need to talk about gender because for me, it's about business and talent and no yes. business can operate without, without that. And so I created an event called Women Inspiring the Economy. I brought people from all over the country um, to this event. It was 250 people. I couldn't get any more in. And it was that. And I'm like, right, okay, I've done that now now and I had three things that happened one was a young woman who put a hand up and it was the woman who'd said to me you should do this for yourself I had to have her speaking at the event anyway yeah Laura Morgan check her out phenomenal human uh global businesswoman anyway she um she put a hand up and said I want to work for you to Laura Laura got off the stage gave her a business card and said come and shadow me and she did <laughs> and months later she set her own business up you know I had someone else who sent me a message saying Simone I, um, my kids are older. I, 
want to do more. I didn't know I could, but this has just changed my life because it's made me believe I can. You know, I'm in my 40s. Oh, I didn't I didn't think this was here for me. I thought I'd have to move to London and I'm like, this is crazy, you know. And then the final one was a guy at the research event or the sort of the post-evaluation, if you like, and uh, of the whole convention, the six-week festival, seven-week festival. Simone, he said, the problem with women is, and I'm like, oh God, no conversation's going to start we well there, is it? <laughs> and he went, you can't recruit or promote them because they get pregnant. And I just oh looked around the room. This was a huge organization. And I just, first thing I did was look around because it was it. like a, a, yeah, I just want, because I knew this room was full of um, journalists and I thought, oh my goodness. And it was at that point that I realized that it didn't matter what conversation we had. Nice guy, could have been my granddad, yeah. you know, nice guy. Um, but you would not listen to me. You'll listen to him, him and him, but you will never listen to me. And so that became a mission to collect the good guys. How right. do we collect the men to extinct the dinosaur behavior, quite frankly? And, yeah, and fast nice. forward, and everyone's going, oh, are you going to do this conference in another two years when we hold it again? And I'm like, no, What we? why do we have to wait for a conference? And I, I set up to create Ready for Change, Hashtag Northern Power Women. At the time, there was that the language in the UK was about the Northern Powerhouse. That was what it was. Right. If you right. if you put the whole of the North together, it would be the sixth largest economy um, in Europe. That was that was the whole ethos around it. Yeah, and so right. I jumped on and created the hashtag Northern Power Women. But I had it as ready for change. And then it was my co-founder of TED who said to me, Simone, you've got two brands here. I said, but I don't want to put women in the title because it can put women off. I was put off. So I don't want to put me off. I want. And she says, but look at your social media. It's gone bonkers. And so I changed it in five weeks before the conference. I changed it to Northern Power Women. And the rest is, is it you know, it, lit it did. It, it almost kind of, it was owned as a community. It was owned. Social media yes. went crazy. And we have 300. And you realized it's what women have been wanting. Absolutely. And I had, you know, men and women in the room. I had young people in the room. And that was really important to me to be part of that bigger conversation. And and it was after then I'm like, right, what now? I've, you know, this is never about one event. What do I do? And I tried to create a manifesto. But at the time, the Women's Equality Party had come out and I'm like, oh, we're apolitical. I've always been quite adamant about being apolitical. So I don't want to play there. And so it was purely a, a route to, right, well, what can I do? And it was, well, what's really important? Role models really important. And so the following year, we created the awards. And I was really not bothered about doing that because there's so many awards out there. But in that first year... We had 680, I think, nominations. We had 440 attending. Wow. And it's it's just grown. And one of the, and that has just been the way. For me, I call it my end and my start and end of the year. It's the way that we can unearth those role models. Um, it's a bit if, if I nominate you, Jules, you then have to complete some questions, which right. again, people are like, oh, I don't want to write about myself. And but that's why I created it. I put it in there because I want people to high five their own achievements. Yeah, and actually people... look at what they've done. Yeah. And we have I created on... a I created yeah. a program here. I don't know. <clears throat> have you ever heard of the expression fig jam? I don't know whether that's Australian or not. No, I haven't. Oh my God, I think you're going to love it. So I, did, I came over to Australia when I was 12 and it's basically fig jam means fuck I'm great, just ask me. 
And I actually created a program for women called the Fig Jam Program because I thought they just don't realise how great they are until it is written down or something and they read something and they go, that couldn't possibly be me. And that was, and that's the, exactly feeding into that idea of yours of get them to fill out an application, write it down, and then they look at it and go, "How the hell did I do all of that?" A- absolutely, that's exactly that's exactly what it was. Is yeah, exa- yeah. and that is exactly what happened. And I remember having to the very first year send those emails out going, oh, "I'm really sorry you've not been shortlisted, but you're amazing. Here's a hug," kind of scenario. And this this one <laughs> woman said to me, "Oh God, I, oh I'm so gutted. This is such a I'm so proud. I've never been anything like this before. Is there anywhere I can see my name because I want my my daughter to see it?" Uh-huh. And I was just about to say, "Oh no," and I'm like, "Hey, I'm independent. I can do what I like." And uh, yeah. so I created a word cloud uh, of all those names, and that all is the something. nominations. And then the guys who do all of my production on the night they surprised me and blew it up as a giant three meter by three meter board. So that wow. and then and that's and that has become the thing. Everyone has their photo against it, and so year by year. So this year we had fifteen hundred nominations, and for me, it's it's it is that celebration and high fiving your own achievements, and 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 that you know. So the what we've so we the awards has been so successful, but for me, it's about you know we're more than just an awards. What else? Like this year, everybody who shortlist we'll have access to a mentor uh, as part of a 12-week program because I want to I never want things to be in isolation I want things to um you know connect we're bringing all of our entrepreneurs together um um, you know, in, in in advance of the awards. So again, you get that peer group. There's never, there's no bad thing as mentoring, any form of mentoring, whether it's peer, yeah. whether it's reverse, whether it's horizontal, reciprocal, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's there's always a conversation to be had, and I think that's why these power up, the power up things that we do from the Power Collective. Every month we do a virtual one hour conversation. We always have way more mentors than mentees uh, because yeah. I've got so many people wanting to. You know but um I, I love them I love everyone has got one hour you know so any form you know that that for me is something that is 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 pretty important um so yeah it's wow wow Simone well I'm not even going to ask you any of the other questions because this is just been so inspiring you honestly you're such a powerhouse I love the know <laughs> have to put that in it must have just been <laughs> listening to power so often um, I can't wait to see what you continue to do. You really are doing amazing things. And I hope at some stage we will be able to do something together with our communities. But wow. Now, if anybody here does identify as a Northern Power Woman or wants to meet you or wants to be part of your connect, your group, what is the best way for them to do that? What's the best Literally. way to get Sign up, for, get, get in touch with me on any of the socials at Simone Roche, uh, at North Power Women on Twitter and Northern Power Women on all the other socials. Uh, WeArePower.net is our platform. And again, I guess it's always tricky about time zones and stuff like that, but we do these we do these sessions every month. We would welcome anyone, irrespective of who you identify. The Power Collective almost removes the Northern factor, you know, and for yeah, me, right. the, power ups, the power ups, I believe, could be global. And I think that'll be, that'll be something that we can uh, collaborate on in the future Have Jules, a chat. Up, so up, when up. do you run when do you run your power up sessions every single month every single but what month. sort of time of day i know this is good this is where i don't think it fits with the well, so it's midday here midday here midday. What time so it's 11 o'clock at night yeah, i would say or 9 p.m at night i think when the daylight saving goes back so that would probably okay. work 
Okay. But either well, way, you know, we look, I've got a woman who's in – we've got time zones across Australia. We've got – I've got a woman in Perth. Perth is three hours difference from Melbourne. And I've, I run a 12 o'clock thing. I used to run a 9 a.m. mentoring session and she would turn up and it was like 6 o'clock in the morning for her. And she'd be yeah. very happy to do it. And, and I do online lunches at 12.30 and it's 9 o'clock in the morning for them. Brilliant. So I think okay. if people want to do stuff, they'll do it. Absolutely. So yeah, um, and all of our events, we run webinars every single month and um, oh, it's all brilliant. on there and it's all free. So, you know, please do, you know, and I always think it's that, it's that approach of give or gain, give or gain yes. your skills or knowledge, you know, and, and I love the mentors always say what they gain too. There's always something that you can take away from one of these sessions, you know, and it is fundamentally what we're trying to do is, is redefining your power for good. Everyone's got power, um, but how yes. do we use that for good? Yeah. Oh. Oh, you are so divine. It's just been wonderful. Thank you so, so much. And uh, I can't wait to share this. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you so much. Um, I feel so honoured to be um, having this conversation with you. I'm, uh, I'm delighted. It's uh, And thank you. Thank you so much, uh, everyone out there. And please do get in touch if I can help in any way, shape or form. Brilliant. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 